This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. convinced that every one of us has a purpose, a reason to be alive that leads us to live in a way that benefits others. Valeria Tellez interviews Roxanne Wormuth, the author of Inked for Eternity, Living in the Light of Heaven on Earth. Roxanne Wormuth is a lifelong resident of Lapeer, Michigan. She married her high school sweetheart, David, on June 2nd, 1972. They have two beautiful daughters and one grandson whom they are raising. Their lives have been blessed through tears of pain and the joy of God's redeeming promise. Roxanne is marked by heaven and is living for eternity on earth. Driven by her ruthless career ambition and type A personality, Roxanne Wormuth was unwittingly following the path of her abusive, perfectionist father. Yet, it was only after receiving a diagnosis of the most severe form of multiple sclerosis that she fell victim to deep depression and the overwhelming desire to take her own life. It was then that one glimpse of heaven changed everything. Near death and in a 24-hour coma, Roxanne caught a glimpse of the outskirts of heaven. Under a deep blue eternity, flowers bloomed, colorful and vivid, beyond human description. Eternity put everything into perspective. After losing her hair due to treatment for her illness, Roxanne, not without reservation, tattooed the flowers of heaven onto her scalp. The flowers inked on my head are an expression of what God inked on my heart. Making a radical statement to everyone she meets, Roxanne remains a walking billboard for the beauty, despite the pain, in this world to come. Whether struggling with relationships, loss, anger, depression, or chronic illness, her book will give you hope and inspiration to come out strong on the other side of hard times and help you rewrite your own future. This inspirational story will have you living in the light of God's presence, realizing that afflictions are temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Meet Roxanne at peterlundell.com. Here is the interview with Roxanne Wormuth. In your own words, who is Roxanne Warmuth? The first thing that pops into my mind 
is that I love all people. I just have it in my heart to accept people for who they are and love them. But I'm also a wife. I married my high school sweetheart almost 50 years ago. And we have two beautiful daughters and a grandson. And I consider myself very blessed because I have such a wonderful circle of family and friends that it's, it's a great gift to have that. Um, I'm a small town girl. I live in Michigan in a very small rural town. I'm no one special. I don't have doctor behind my name. I, I didn't even finish college. Um, but I had an amazing life experience that just changed me forever. And that's why I wrote the book. Yes, and we'll be talking about the, some of the topics in your book in the moment. The title is Inked for Eternity, Living in the Light of Heaven on Earth. So before we talk about those specific topics we can explore already throughout the warm-up questions, the ones that I mentioned before off record, the first one for you, Roxy, is this one. What, where, and who is God to you? And what is heaven from your perspective? God is my maker. He's my father. He's also my rescuer. If it weren't for God, I wouldn't be here. Um, if it wouldn't work for God, I wouldn't be the person I am right now. And where is God? God is everywhere. God is in our hearts. God is everywhere we go. God's in our mind. God's in our spirit. God is who we are if we choose to accept him. And the idea of heaven, what is it like to you the way you have experienced I mean, we're using words here, heaven, but could be another dimension or another reality. So what is heaven to you? The first word that comes to my mind when you say heaven or, or what is heaven to me is the peacefulness. Um, what I experienced when I was in what I referred to as God's waiting room was this immense peace and the immense sense of love. That is what heaven is to me. It's pure joy, happiness, peacefulness. It's hard to describe in human words. And it will be hard for me to describe many things that you ask in the interview um, because human words cannot describe what I saw, what I felt, what I learned in heaven. Do you think it's possible to love unconditionally ourselves and others? I think we must. Mm. Prior to my experience, I'm not sure I was there that I could experience unconditional love. Now I'm sure that I can experience unconditional love. And I don't think that love is real unless it's unconditional. Um, another question I have for you here, the warm-up question is, um, what is another word for eternity? Well, infinity, forever. I say in my book that eternity is a measure of time. It's a measure of time without ceasing, though. So it's, it's kind of convoluted, isn't it? It's, it's a little hard to explain, but 
it is indeed a measure of time, but it isn't a measure of time. My other question is about the purpose of life. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? The purpose of the human experience is to make a difference in others' lives. We aren't just here for ourselves. We aren't just here to make ourselves happy, to take care of just ourselves. We are here to influence and help other people, to model good choices, good behavior, to model being a good citizen, to model being a good friend, to model being a truthful person, just to be here and share our experiences with others so we can help others. Another question I have for you is about the meaning of death, physical death. Did that change for you today? Do you see death of the body in a different way? Completely. I, it's so different for me now. I have such a new perspective on death. Death is not the end of life. It's the continuation of another life, a better life. And there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to be sad about. There's, death is a part of life. Life is death. Death is life. The soul goes on living. I've learned so much about that since my near-death experience that I have no fears because I know that life never really ends, that we go on. And when you think about it, Valeria, let's say you, you have a friend or, or somebody out there listening to this has a friend who's very important to them. When that friend leaves this world, they're not going to be forgotten. The impact that friend has made on the world will be here forever. The changes that person has made in their circle of life will be here forever. So I believe that the soul, the life just goes on and on and really never dies. Do you believe we chose to be here in a human body and experience everything that we have experienced and will experience? No, I don't believe that we had a choice on being here. I believe that we were created. I believe that it is our choice that once we are here on earth, once we are born, and once we have a life here on earth, we have a choice in every area of our life. Those choices can be good or they can be bad. It's our decision which ones they'll be. They're good choices. Good things happen. If they're bad choices, there's consequences. A lot of people will blame terrible situation, a health problem or an accident or something on God. It is not God. It's the choices that we make. Sometimes things just happen, not due to a choice that we've made, but because we're living here on earth in a human form. And we're subject to earthly diseases and accidents and, and that. But some of the things that happen in our life that negatively impact us are due to our own choices, which then we have to suffer consequence. And my other question is about 2020 and all the challenges and change that we have faced and are still facing. What lessons have you learned in 2020, Roxy? 2020 has been a very hard year for everyone, I'm sure. 
been a time that we've had to suffer a lot of losses, the loss of our freedom, the loss of our a lot of our choices, the loss of our loved ones' lives. It's been difficult politically. It just seems like the world is, or the United States anyway, is divided and, and bitter. And it's a very, in my lifetime anyway, and, and I've been here for quite a while now, 67 years. In my lifetime, I've never seen anything like this before. It's a very difficult time, which is divided and chaotic and sad. Have you learned any lessons from these changes and challenges? this year? You know, 15 years ago, I would have learned a lot. But since I've been through what I have, I've learned that there is a reason for everything on earth, good and bad. There is a reason. And I've learned that if we're patient and if we wait on God, this will all be revealed to us as to why. And there are reasons good and bad for what's happening in the world right now. And we just have to take a step back and look at that, contemplate that, and wait and see where it's going to lead us. Every challenge is an opportunity to look deeper and really find out. Um, So many people, unfortunately, they have to go through some suffering, deep suffering and pain to understand to meet God, to understand who God is, where God is. Isn't that interesting, Roxy? I'm so glad you brought that up because now is a time where people need to turn back to their roots. They need to go back to church. If you've stopped going to church, you need to go back to church and be with your church family, be surrounded by those who care about you and love you. and Look for the positive that is happening because of this negative. And if we all would come together and just love each other and be understanding, forgiving, just how much more smoothly would the world be in right now if we would all have that understanding? I have one more warm-up question for you. You mentioned the word freedom earlier. What is freedom to you? What is to be free? To be free is to be able to do the things that we want to do, but keeping in mind that the things we want to do need to be beneficial to others. Freedom isn't just about ourselves. Freedom is about our friends, our family, our acquaintances the people that we want to show love to. That is what freedom is to me. So freedom is not free, really, and it comes with responsibilities. It does, yes. So how did you become a writer? And the follow-up question is, what was the inspiration? I know you have been talking about a little. Nobody knows at this point, the audience. But what was the inspiration? and also intention of writing your book, Inked for Eternity. Okay. Well, in June of 1994, I became very ill and was sent to the hospital against my will. I didn't want to go. And um, 
I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks and a lot of tests were run. And it was told to me that I had a disease called multiple sclerosis. Uh, At the time, I was only 40 years old. I had a good career going, a daughter in college, a daughter at home, a beautiful home. I, I had everything. And now I was being told I had multiple sclerosis. At that time, I only knew one person that had MS, and he was a quadriplegic. So that was my very first vision when they told me I had MS. I couldn't bear it. The Roxanne that I was, the person I was back then, couldn't accept such a statement. I just screamed at the doctor to take it back, take it back. That's where my story starts. As far as how did I become a writer? I didn't want to become a writer. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, <laughs> I wrote down my little story of what had happened to me. And I felt as though my ministry was going to churches in the area, nursing homes, small interest groups, and telling them my story, which I titled My Glimpse of Heaven. And it would last a half hour or 45 minutes. And um, then it turned into a book. And that was divine intervention because I met Dr. Peter Lundell, who lives in California. I live in Michigan. We met in Indiana at a revival. And from there, a book was born. And again, I, I say it was divine intervention. I had no plans of writing a book. Peter is an author of several books on his own merit and is also a spiritual blogger. And he was my ghostwriter, or I call him my co-author, but he's a wonderful ghostwriter and um, did a terrific job working three and a half years by computer talking to each other. And this book was born. What a beautiful cover, too. That's the most um, amazing cover I have seen. We'll talk in a moment about the tattoos, but for a moment, the title. How did you choose the title? You know, that was interesting. Um, There were so many titles thrown around, Flowers in Heaven, uh, (laughs) so many titles. And Credo Communications was our agent out in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And they actually came up with the title. And at first, I thought it was too difficult to remember, but actually, it really kind of fits me and who I am. And so that's how the title of the book came to be, was our agent. Talk to me about the near-death experience, um, being in coma, and why did you decide to tattoo your scalp? In May of 2006, I had an exacerbation, which is a flare-up of the MS. There's a couple of types of MS. One is called remitting and relapsing, in which you can go into remission for many, many years and not have any symptoms at all. And then there's chronic progressive MS. And unfortunately, 20% people get chronic progressive, 80% get remitting, relapsing. But I got chronic progressive. And so I have 
multiple sclerosis every day. I have never been without symptoms. I ended up in the hospital in a coma and I was in the coma for 24 hours. 12 hours of that coma, I was in heaven. 12 hours, I was floating above my body in the hospital and I could see everything. The part about heaven and what I saw, I'll wait on that and I'll answer your question about the tattoos. One of the things that I saw in heaven were the most beautiful flowers. And I was on a round of chemotherapy for a year and a half to try to get my chronic progressive multiple sclerosis into remission. Well, I never had a beautiful head of hair to begin with and always had wished on every birthday wish, please, God, give me beautiful hair. (laughs) (laughs) I never had beautiful hair. But being on chemotherapy for a year and a half destroyed what hair I did have. And people ask, well, did it grow back? Well, yes, it did. In fact, I think I've shaved my head now for 13 years. I decided just recently to see if, hey, maybe I have some hair I don't know about. So I let it grow a little bit and I still look like an atomic bomb victim. (laughs) It's still very catchy. So anyway, to answer your question, I wore wigs for a while. They were just too hot. It wasn't me. I felt like it just wasn't me. And so I decided, you know what? I didn't ask to be bald. It's just what it is. And so I decided just to be myself and to go out into the world bald. Now, there was only one problem with that, and that is I felt naked. I, people stared at me. I got looks of pity as though she must be dying with cancer. And I thought, this can't be because I'm a happy person and I have a lot to say. And I just can't have people shying away from me and thinking I'm dying. And what can I do about this? So I thought about it for a year. and. With the support of a friend, I decided, I prayed about it for a year, I decided to have the vision of what I saw in heaven tattooed onto my head, which made me a walking billboard for my experience. I've never been sad. I've never been upset that I made this decision. It's been a wonderful decision because I believe that What's on my head is a reflection of what God put in my heart, what I saw in heaven. And so it's an open door for people to ask me and for me to say, there's a story behind this. And I've told the story so many times, hundreds and hundreds of times. I've spent hours talking with somebody at a grocery store. It's been wonderful having this experience and just having something on the top of my head now instead of being completely bald is a better feeling. You know, a woman's hair is very important to her. And when I lost mine, it was real difficult for me, but I don't miss it at all anymore. Yeah, I have another question for you about the causes of MS. What are they? The causes of MS I describe it in layman's terms. It originates in your brain and your spinal cord. You think about an electrical cord. All electrical cords have a rubber protective coating around them, right? An electric cord is like a nerve. 
And all nerves have a protective coating around them called the myelin sheath. With multiple sclerosis, my own body cells are attacking themselves. They're called T cells. And by attacking themselves, they're eating away that myelin sheath or that rubber coating around the wire that we were talking about, causing it to misfire. So I'm not getting communication to my body that I should be getting. That's why I can't feel my left side. That's why it's very difficult for me to walk. That's why my cognitive thinking has declined. Um, That's why I have pain and other symptoms. It's because of that myelin sheath being attacked by my own T-cells. And it doesn't have a... um effective treatment, right, Roxy? Nothing that can stop that. When I was first diagnosed, there was nothing. And soon thereafter, they started coming out with an injection for multiple sclerosis. And I went on that. The only thing is that was for remitting relapsing and I had chronic progressive, but my doctor decided to put me on it anyway. And then we found out about the chemotherapy that became available. And we tried that and that did work for a while, but it was very hard. So to answer your question, no, there is no cure, but there are medications out there to lessen the uh, discomfort of MS and to help with balance and that type of thing. But as of yet, there is no cure. Have you tried alternative medicine? I haven't tried herbs, but I am very careful with my diet. I know that eating unhealthy affects your body very adversely. So it has to if you have a chronic disease. So I watch my diet and I try to get as much exercise as I can. And having a positive attitude, mm-hmm. I think, is number one. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. <laughs> that, that spirit of I am not going to let this get me down. I I just keep fighting. And I do have a few more questions for you. One is about your name. Why did you decide to change from Roxanne to Roxy? That's easy. (laughs) 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 When I was a little girl, my family, my entire family called me Roxy. And when I started dating my husband, David, I begged my mother, do not call me Roxy when he comes over because I felt as though it sounded childish and just not good, (laughs) just not sophisticated. (laughs) And, you know, out of habit, they would all call me Roxy anyway, and I would be embarrassed because it just felt childish. Now that I am who I am, my life being changed 180 degrees, I feel like a child again. I'm so happy. I'm so giddy. I'm so at peace, comfortable, know who I am. I don't have fears. I feel like a child of God. And sometimes I find myself raising my arms up to him as to say, pick me up, daddy, because being in his light, it just made me feel like a child again. And now I feel proud to be called Roxy. I love that. When people call me Roxanne, I think of my old self. And anybody who knew me back in my 20s and 30s wouldn't 
even recognize the Roxanne written about in Inked for Eternity because I wasn't that. I'm Roxy in that book, but Roxanne was somebody totally different in the 70s and 80s. And I'm so thankful that although I haven't had a physical healing, God healed me spiritually. And I would much rather have that spiritual healing and be who I am today than be who I was yesterday. Were you always spiritual, Roxy? Or that was another change? No, I, you know, another radio station asked me that question and I was so disappointed with myself because I answered yes, but that wasn't really true. I have always been raised in the church. I remember being carried into the church when I was a baby. My grandfather was a pastor. My father-in-law was a pastor. My cousins are pastors. My uncles are pastors. I was raised in faith in the Nazarene church. And I sort of lived two lives. I was Roxanne, the good Christian girl at church. And then I was another Roxanne when I was at work or out in the world. I wasn't my true self at all. And I can say now, after MS, and I I don't say God gave me MS. People ask me if I blame God, God didn't give me MS. But I do say he enabled me to have MS. Why do I think that? I think that because he needed to slow me down. He needed to catch me and use me for his purpose. And that's why I now can say I'm a totally different person. I'm a person who doesn't judge other people. I'm a person who understands. I'm a person who will listen, who wants to help. I wish I could fix everything in the world. But all I can do is be a good example and try to help other people. What happened and what happens? Why do we move away from that beautiful child that we are to something else? Is that programming society, our own family sometimes? What gets in the way? Well, your words are are right on. Something does get in the way. When someone has a problem, drugs, um, sexual immorality, sickness, anyone listening, all of us out there, we all have problems. There's something that influences those problems. We don't want to be bad people. We don't set out to make life miserable for ourselves and others. I'm not going to blame my father for my choices. They were my choices. But my father was unkind to me as a child and my brother as well. And my mother was just the opposite. She was just wonderful, caring, beautiful, just the sweetest mother ever. But dad was hard. Dad was very punitive. And, you know, I said in my book that I would have preferred dad physically abusing me over verbally abusing me. I got both, but I would have preferred only being physically abused because the verbal abuse has stayed with me my whole life. 
What do we do about this, Roxy? How do we change this pattern of suffering? My husband and I, even though we're 67, we're raising our grandchild. We've been raising him for four years. He's four years old. We've had him since birth. And we are doing things very differently. Dave and I have taken classes, read books. We are doing our very best to model good behavior, to teach this child that good becomes of good, but bad becomes of bad. And we are trying to raise him up to know and love Jesus and to have that love in his heart. And I know of someone I'm thinking of right now who is in prison for a choice that he made. This person is so loving and so kind, but due to an experience this person had as a child, a mistake was made. And we need to protect our children. We need to guide our children. We need to teach our children, which I think is really hard today because so many parents are working and so many things slip by because kids are watching their tablets or they're, you know, we're not paying enough attention. But as a family, we have to let our children know every day how important they are, how smart they are, and what good choices they're making. We have to give them positive affirmation every day so they have confidence. We also have to give them the tools that they can use to say, no, I think that's a bad choice. So Valeria, it all stems, I believe, from when we're children growing up, these seeds that get planted in our minds that are negative, that shouldn't be there, that need to be nurtured out of us, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. I love that. So I have a few more questions for you. Those are the final questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book, Roxy? I would like to read a passage in my book. I'm convinced that every one of us has a purpose, a reason to be alive that leads us to live in a way that benefits others. Your purpose may be big or small. You may do your thing in front of an audience or behind the scenes. You might get paid for it, or you might not. It could be simple. It could be a complex combination of things. Even if few people know who you are, your purpose will still touch someone. And to that someone, you are important. If you have a sense of why you're alive or what you ought to do with your life, you're standing on the path of fulfilling your purpose. And if you grow towards being that person and do things that benefit others, you're walking that path. How would you describe all of that in your own life? To whom are you important? Don't be shy. And even if you sometimes feel worthless or lonely, think of yourself as a thread in the vast quilt we call life. One thread would look awfully lonely on a quilt It needs the intertwining of other threads. Each one, even the smallest, is important. 
And the big threads in fancy designs, they can't do it alone. No one is so important that they don't need others. No matter which way you look at a quilt, if one thread is absent, the pattern is incomplete. You cannot go through life without impacting other people, even in small ways. And the more we realize this and act on it, the better we'll live out what we're made for. What part of the pattern will your thread leave? So I have one last question for you. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Three things about life. Yeah. I'll go back to we need to love each other. I can't stress that enough. I think if we just did that, <laughs> we would be on our way to a perfect world. If we could just find a way of not being judgmental, right. just loving people for who they are in their entirety. I know who I am as of today, finally, because it took this experience to finally let me realize who my true self is. I consider that the greatest gift I've ever been given. And like I said, given the choice of having perfect health or being spiritually healed, I take the spiritual healing and the happiness that it's bringing to me. The third thing that I know for sure is that I can rely on my friends. I can rely on my family, the people who love me to help me through hard times. I've always been too proud to ask for help, but I'm not proud anymore. And if I need help, I'll ask for it. But my true blessing is to give help. That's my gift. Thank you so much, Roxy, for your loving presence, your genuine and loving presence, your wisdom, oh, your powerful messages, inspiration, your courage, your beautiful uh, everything <laughs> about you is beautiful. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Thank you for asking about that. I let my website go when little Michael came into our lives, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Peter Lundell, my co-author, peterlundell.com. You can reach him. Um, you can always reach me on Facebook, Roxanne Wormuth. Or my um, email address is theroxinator at charter.net. Roxinator at charter.net. <laughs> you can always reach me there. And I will be glad. I, I talk to many people over the computer, over Facebook. I, I love talking with people. I love helping them through questions they have or situations. So please feel free to reach out to me. Wonderful. I'll have those links also on your podcast profile. So it will be easier to just click or copy and paste. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you, Roxy. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you very much. And thank you for this opportunity. Take good care and we'll talk soon for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Roxanne Wormuth and her work, please visit peterlundell.com. To learn more 
more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.